Okay, so today we're going to talk about relationships and communications and um, as an introduction in, in terms of social relationships and health and stress, um, undeniably we know that relationships are fundamental to our well-being. I don't know if any of you were part of a previous workshop that I provided, oh my gosh, it must have been about a year ago now, uh, where I presented a resilience framework. I've included it here. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we want to keep focused on relationships and communication, but I wanted to include it because in terms of mental health and psychological well-being, it's always important that people understand that there are three dimensions to your psychological well-being and your mental health. And there you can see a breakdown of that. Um, hopefully that demystifies an otherwise misty concept of psychological well-being. I've put an arrow looking down as you can see on uh, the dimension of I have. So there are three dimensions, I have, I am, I can. And the dimension of I have is primarily our external resources, um, our external psychological resources that feed into our a fundamental need to belong that we all have. So that part of our mental health, as you can see, there's a third of our mental health and well-being that relies on good quality relationships. And in order to, to achieve that, you can see that I've highlighted five elements, if you like, that um, help us achieve that. So to define a quality, good quality relationship and for us to feel resilient and resourced in this area of our psychological well-being, we would want to feel um, a good sense of stability, stability and predictability in our lives, both from our environment and from um, the relationships that we have. That, that means that we want people in our lives to be reliable and, and consistent and that helps us um, feel like life is more predictable and that we can turn to people and, and, and rely and depend on them when we need to. Then we've got sense of security and safety. So that's primarily linked to how, how loved we feel, how cared for, um, do we feel trusted and understood in our relationships? And, and ultimately, do we, do we feel secure in our world? And, and that to other people, it might look like we do, but it's really important to emphasize that that sense of security is derived from relationships. Uh, our sense of security, sorry, is derived from the relationships that we have in our lives and it will fluctuate and go up and down depending on what's happening in our relationships. Then we have the sense to which we feel nurtured um, and, and that will mean different things for different people. It might mean that you've got somebody taking care of you. A lot of times we are taking care of other people. The extent to which we feel we have nurture in our lives will depend on the, the quality of the relationships that we have in our lives. Then there's the sense of guidance. Do we have people in our lives who um, help encourage us and, 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 and are there to listen to us and provide us with some mentoring advice? And, and, and primarily the, the, the sort of rules that sit around the systems that we're in. So if you think of COVID, for example, guidance became very important because we were looking to our government, which is an external resource of um, sense of security and, and, and predictability or so predictability or so we want it to be. And, and it became important to have clear guidance, which I'm sure you all experienced at times was, was not the case. Um, because it's interpreted and it's um, it's interlinked into our perspective and what we are trying to achieve and what we want to achieve. And then we have our sense of autonomy and that's primarily the extent to, where, to which we are encouraged to be who we want to be, but still be connected to people. So autonomy is not just independence. Autonomy is having people in our lives who encourage independence, encourage us to have our views and be uh, do things by ourselves. So I just wanted to give you a brief overview of that because it is important for later when we look at how we can improve our relationships and, and in particular our communication. So 
In terms of when we're not um, necessarily deriving a sense of security and stability and predictability and all of those elements out of our relationships, that poor quality um, uh, is undeniably detrimental to, to our health. Um, that I see that time and time again in, in both client work, my personal life, people around me. But one of the things that strikes me, and, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this when I was putting this together, is that, and you might think this too, it's not just the people who mean a lot to us in our lives that have an impact on how we feel. Um, I can easily speak to up to five people a week whose day has been ruined by somebody um, that's not that close to them, but they are in terms of they might not be a supportive figure in their lives, but being around them and having to interact with them has caused them a lot of stress. And that could be friends, it can be family, and it can be co-workers. And so it becomes important to, to think about um, relationships in that sense and our interactions on a broader scale. And that's what I want our workshop to focus on today, not, not just the relationships that mean a lot to us in our lives, but the impact that all relationships have on us, and in particular, um, communication and what that um, can help and hinder with in terms of our relationships. So if I just shift our focus slightly to the concept of communication, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I'm happy to recommend it to anybody who's interested, um, which was saying that communication styles are the biggest biohazard to our relationships. And as part of that podcast, they quoted that the single biggest problem with communica communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And it just really got me to stop and think about um, how we think sometimes we're being clear and we think we've communicated something. And in, in reality, what this is, what the research suggests is that actually sometimes that's an illusion because communication is complex, relationships are complex. And today I want to break down some of those complexities and just really get you thinking about your styles of communication and what you can do um, to, to build that up. And that's largely because um, I, I, I think people spend, uh, as I've put up there, an inordinate amount of time examining how people have paved towards them. It's just a natural thing that we tend to do. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to you know, pop in and say something at this point. Please do if you want to. But it's natural for us to... Um, if you're talking to a friend, for example, you're very likely to comment on, on how, how you've experienced somebody else, what that was like for you, what they said to you, how they behaved towards you. And, and, and that's just, as I said, a natural thing to do. We do that in our own relationships. Oh, I can't believe he did that. Or um, I'm not sure what she was getting at when she was, when, when she was explaining that in, in that way to me. Um, she just seemed in a bit of a mood. So we make these comments about other people uh, and this, uh, and that's fine, it's just something that we do. But actually um, what I want us to do today is shift the focus, shift the focus to us considering how are we being in those experiences and in those relationships. And, and one of the ways that we can do that is focus on communication styles. And um, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, I've heard communication styles before. I'm hoping to bring a slightly different slant to it um, and make it a little bit more interesting. And I really want it to be directly relevant to you. So at different stages, um, I'm now going to introduce you to some of the communication styles, bring them to life, I hope, and move on. I, I, I was oh, just... Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. I just want to say, yes, I think you've hit the nail on the head. We do, you know, if there is a bit of conflict, um, it, whether it be in personal or 
uh, working relationships, you do. You, you, if somebody says something to you, you do actually stop and say, well, why did she say that? Mm. Um, and you question that. And it can, it can swim around in your head because you wonder why, um, why a, a comment would be so valid or what in their terms would be valid. So, yes, it, this, this will be very, very good. Yes. So thank That's you good. for that. Yeah. I'm glad I recognize that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, people do. And I think that it's natural. One of the complexities of all of this is that, um, so I'll take you through these and then at the end tell you how complex it is. And even <laughs> though I've broken it down, we're all human. Um, yeah. uh, because actually we are having emotional reactions to things that people say. And what you're describing there is, is, is um, to an extent, sometimes we will ruminate then over what somebody has said to us. Um, later on, I will. I hope that each of you will be able to recognise um, what, how your resources, your resilience resources in different um, parts of your psychological well-being could could be built up to to help with that. Um, so I'm hoping that that's what some of you can take away from from this. So strap in because I want us to think about ourselves now and take some space and time to be reflective and concentrate on our role that we play in the styles of communication that we use. The first thing I need to say is that I was reading thing, I got to try not to go off on a tangent, but I was reading um, a lot about communication styles. There are so many different models out there and some of them are very, very attractive and um, really good to deliver on actually but when I was reading them I decided to choose the most traditional um, and I'll explain a little bit more why as we go into the workshop but um, historically if you listen to anything about communication styles they will tell you that um, these four communication styles that assertive is the one that you want to be that's the healthiest one and the other three are not healthy and that is not something that I believe is, is, is correct and the most recent research and recent literature will say no as human beings not only do we all use these um, communication styles every single one of these communication styles has used to us and is appropriate at different times. One of the things that we'll think about today is are we using one particular style more than another and what might be the health impact of that because we would um, some, sometimes that will create issues for us in our lives. So I'll move on. Let's start with passive communicating. So if you're using a passive communicating style and some people, I've worked with many people who actually find themselves stuck in a passive communicating style, you might notice them because they um, might say very, very little. They're very, very accommodating. They usually say yes to lots of things. They're inside worried and anxious that if their views are any different to anybody else's that they'll be judged and they lack the confidence to therefore say things have an opinion and express that that opinion and uh, unfortunately as you can see by there that means that they they sometimes find themselves being taken advantage of or feeling manipulated and and they will struggle to resolve conflict they might avoid conflict and and i don't mean conflict in terms of fighting conflict can simply be um, a difference of an a, opinion and and confronting that for them is very difficult um having said that Passive communicating is also a very appropriate way of communicating at different times. So I'll keep my voice down because my husband is in the house. But let me give you a real life example. Um, for me, for example, at this time of year, particularly as we edge towards Christmas, my husband um, gets anxious about finances and how much we're spending about Christmas. I know some of you will be thinking exactly the same thing, or maybe you yourselves will be feeling that way. I know and I've learned from experience that taking a passive approach to this dialogue is the best thing I can do in that situation because everything I say will and does get held against me. So in that circumstance, being passive 
actually is appropriate. I can think of many other times where being passive is appropriate. If you're dealing with a drunk person, for example, um, it makes no sense to try and reason with them. It's not good. You're not going to get anywhere. So actually just being passive in that moment for that particular case would, would might serve you well. So I want you to spend a moment, just a moment, and write down a time in the in, in the last week that you think you might have used passive communicating. So I need you to think of an example. And if you are able to do that, I'd also like you to think, have you noticed anybody being passive towards you? So I'm just going to give you a minute to, to think about that. Whilst you're doing that, I'll just talk a little bit because you, some of you um, that are listening now and, and in the future, if you're listening to this as a recording, you might feel like you use passive communicating all of the time uh, and later on um, we'll give you an opportunity to think about how you can maybe test out other ways of um, communicating because I think that if we find ourselves in a passive state a lot of the time, as I put there before, life can start to feel like it's out of our control and that we our, our optimism and, and our hopefulness can, can easily become depleted because we feel like we have to say either yes to anything or um, not have an opinion, um, not not connect to anyone and, and people find that difficult to connect with us. So if I'm dealing with somebody who's always passive, I find myself thinking, I don't know if they really want to do that. I, and, and then I might not ask them as a result because I feel like they're going to say yes to me anyway. Um, so I think just noticing that for yourself and, and maybe with other people is um, just something to think about. Let me just move on then. We're going to move on to aggressive communicating. So just a, a note to think about. Aggressive communicating doesn't necessarily mean that it's all heated and hot headed. Um, aggressive communicating will, you might recognise these people. And in fact, I, I recognise myself in this at a, young, a younger age, might I say, um, spending quite a bit of time in this phase where I just find, you know, you might find yourself blaming other people. So making mistakes for these people is very difficult. They often don't acknowledge the mistake that they've made. They'll acknowledge the mistakes of other people. They might experience them as rude. They might get easily frustrated. Um, they will interrupt a lot of the time, almost sort of dis disregarding other people's views and can be very critical. Now, constructive criticism is different from being critical. So aggressive communicating would be that, that you've, you're coming across as quite critical to others. And for, for these people who uh, might spend some, a, a long time in this aggressive communicating style, um, they're not actually able to participate in resolving conflict because um, they're not they're not investing in the res the the, re the resolving part of it. Instead, they're um, on transmit mode. This is my view. This is what I think. Um, that was her fault that, that that happened. And and well, if he hadn't have done that, then 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 we would be in a different position. And and as a result, a lot of people can be fearful of them and 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 avoid them. They might not say anything. And when you think about that for a moment. Um, that person who's using an aggressive communicating style isn't very um, able to learn and grow. And, and that's a shame because they will feel disconnected from others. And, and one of the hardest things about that is that sometimes you can look at somebody who's doing that and think, well, you've only got yourself to blame. But actually, um, I find in terms of a work capacity, clinically supporting those who've got an aggressive communicating style is tricky because there seems to be a lack of often reflectiveness. So they might not know that they're coming across as aggressive. 
The other thing that I want to say is that um, sometimes it's appropriate to use this style. Um, often we might, um, if we're faced with somebody who's who's being aggressive towards us, for example, then it's usually this style is not very collaborative. So <clears throat> you're either going to be passive with somebody like this or you're going to be aggressive yourself because um, being assertive in this scenario doesn't doesn't usually work well. And so you might find yourself needing to be aggressive at times if you're feeling threatened. When I say aggressive, I mean an aggressive communicating style. I feel like I need to keep saying that, I'm not trying to promote any physical behaviour. But you might feel that you need to be on transmit mode. You need to give, get your point across. And, and, and that's that's just how it needs to be. One of the subtleties that I want to bring your attention to with this, for those of you who have a sense of um, any res additional responsibility, any management, um, any um, figure of authority, for example, we can often think that our uh, communication style is assertive because we are, we will come on to this, we're being very clear with what we want, we're being very transparent, but it's important to pay attention to this uh, this part of um, your role. So communication styles will depend on who you're using them with. So for example, with my role in the organisation, it, it's very easy for me, for example, if I'm talking to one of the other directors, I can say something like, that's not quite hitting the mark. Very simple statement, don't, don't mean anything by it, um, other than it's not hitting the mark. If I was to say that to another member of staff, I know that that is likely to have an impact on their confidence. And I think that it becomes important to recognise that you might think you're being assertive, but in reality, if you've got a role of authority, anything that you say will carry extra weight. And sometimes at that point, you might be using an aggressive communicating style. If you find you're um, trans transmitting information and not inviting a dialogue and there's no interaction, hate to say it, but you're likely to be using an aggressive communicating style. And I had learned that the hard way because I would, um, um, in my early years of management, think that I've been very clear, fair, transparent. And afterwards, somebody came up to me and said, yeah, but you upset everybody. And I thought, well, I didn't mean to upset anybody. And I wasn't unkind and I wasn't um, aggressive in my tone. But um, what I didn't do was invite um, views. I didn't ask questions. I was very much on transmit mode and I was focused on did I say things clearly and directly and actually came across as aggressive communicating. So I just want to share that because as you can see as you start to unpack things um, that's unhelpful. That was unhelpful for me because I wasn't trying to upset everybody but I managed to upset everybody. So if, if you're finding people are upset by things that you say it might be worth thinking about um, the way in which your communication style is. I'm just going to give you a moment. Think, do the same thing. Think about in the last week, have you used an aggressive communicating style? And has anybody used that towards you? Passive aggressive communicating. I don't know if this is my favourite or least favourite, but maybe both for different reasons. So passive aggressive communicating is um, oh, it can be so frustrating when this happens. So usually, if you're doing this, you're you you might be experiencing um, disempowerment, or you're in a position where but where you are powerless. Um, you will do things to annoy, disrupt and sabotage things and people, but you won't be upfront about it. So um, you might mutter things under your breath, you might look like you enjoyed something, and then when when somebody asks you later on, you will say, no, I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, your facial expressions don't match what you're feeling inside, so you're very much able to put on a front, and, and you, you might need to. I can think of many times where you would need to do this. Um, and you appear cooperative and friendly. Um, the issue with a passive aggressive communicating style is that you will likely become, if you spend a lot of time using it, you will likely become alienated. If you think about it, 
Um, if people experience you as passive aggressive, uh, I know for me, I just don't know, I just don't know that I can trust somebody um, if if they're being passive aggressive. And um, I think that dealing with that is very, very difficult because if you have ever confronted someone who's been passive aggressive, I find it can do it can go one of two ways. Either that person um, does enter a dialogue with you about their behavior. So you might um, say, um, although you seemed okay when I asked you um, about doing these different tasks, I pick up the sense that actually afterwards that might have frustrated you. Um, and that person at that point might choose to be sincere with you. That's a good outcome. I've been in many situations where somebody who's using passive aggressive communicating all of the time and will just shut you down. So you might, and, and I'll take it this far, you might say, what did you do with the boxes that you took out of the room? And they will say, what boxes? I didn't take any boxes. And you're thinking, I saw you take the boxes. So in that um, situation, very, very difficult to be dealing with that. However, there is a time and a place for being passive aggressive. Um, one of the things, uh, I was passive aggressive last week. I do a lot of traveling up and down to um, Aberdeen and different parts of Scotland. Uh, and I was taking a flight and I was taking the same flight that I take every time I do it. Um, I'm very familiar with going through security and, and what I can and cannot do. And in this particular moment, there was somebody um, saying to me, you will have experienced this yourself, maybe. Um, I have a clear case where I put all of my toiletries and I put it on there and she went, you not use these, you must use this bag. And she handed me a plastic bag and, and slammed it down. And I thought, oh, gosh, she's being a bit rude. And then she went uh, and at, at that point I thought, OK, I'll just put them in the bag. Perhaps she's new. And then I was thinking, should I tell her that I do this every week? And as I was thinking that, she interrupted me and said, um, EasyJet customers do not travel with these bags. You travel with this bag. And at that point I thought, well, if I get aggressive back towards her, that's going nowhere. If I'm assertive. Um, I just don't think that that she, that she is she's in transmit mode. She's not ready to listen to me, and so she got interrupted and had to walk off. And as she walked off, because I was putting my um, toilet trees in this plastic bag, I tipped them all back in the other bag, threw my tray on the um, conveyor belt, and she happened to turn around as my tray was going through security. Then she couldn't do anything about it. And she was very cross about it. And I just stood there and I felt good about it. And I shouldn't feel good about it. But in that situation, I was powerless. I couldn't do anything about it. My bag went through as normal. There was no problems caused. I quite frankly think she was being rude to me. And so that was an example of where I chose to be passive aggressive. Now I want you to think about times where you might have been passive aggressive. Uh, maybe you find yourself doing this a lot, maybe not. And the time where somebody has been passive aggressive towards you. And again, if any of you've got any questions or want to share any funny stories, just pop in. I can think I can of my think kids my at this point. point. <laughs> yes. Muttering under, under their breath, breath. or saying something as they're walking away. And I can see myself doing it as well when I've had a disagreement with, with my youngest son walking away, trying to diffuse the situation, but I'm muttering underneath my breath or, or saying something. So, Absolutely. Uh, we use this a lot um, in the relationships with um, adults and child or adolescents. And you're quite right it's used a lot <laughs> and sometimes being assertive it it's not going to work um and and so this style is is something that's that just gets used maybe sometimes to keep the peace my uh, my son um uh is very good at telling me when i'm being passive aggressive <laughs> oh, right. okay <laughs> point that out 
<laughs> yes, I'm not going to give you scenarios. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. But yes, yes. And I've never been aware of being passive aggressive. So, yes. Yeah, so I do. I do stop and think when he tells me these things. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's very good too. Absolutely. Stop. And I think often um, if we've been irritated by something or somebody, we can um, sometimes, and I'll come on to this later, without thinking, we will, a very simple example, um, maybe we would say we're not, oh, I'm not available on that day. Um, and, and maybe if we stop to think about it, in reality, we were never going to make ourselves available on that day to do whatever <laughs> it's asking us to do. And, and that's an example of where we would use that. And, and sometimes, as I said, that's appropriate. However, um, one of the the problems that it causes if we spend a lot of time in a passive aggressive communicating state is that we might find that we're ignoring our own feelings and mm -hmm. and that um can can cause us a lot of turmoil inside but but yes this is something that we might do a lot <laughs> yeah everybody laughing let's move on then so we're going to go on to assertive communication i mean largely speaking um if we spend a lot of time doing assertive communication, we generally see a link between that and healthy relationships. And assertive communication is something that never stops, our skills in assertive communication never stop evolving. And the reason why they can't stop evolving and building is because we are regularly interacting with different people in different situations. I can think of examples where I can be very assertive and then in other situations, not so much. Um, one of the key points about assertive communication is that um, if you think about it in terms of uh, interaction. If you're questioning whether you've been assertive or actually aggressive, one of the questions that you can ask yourself is, um, have I been open to the views of others? Have I invited the views of others on board? Um, am I listening carefully to what people are saying? Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we've got a view about something. Sometimes we're charged up about a meeting or something <coughs> in the family and we've already, we're already anticipating that we need to say something. And so in those situations, we might, we might not be assertive. Um, but generally speaking, it is considered the most healthy style and, and people who are able to master these skills feel in control of their lives, they feel connected to others. Um, they can neg negotiate conflict um, and work well within that um, because they don't mind confronting others and being, and this is the important part, being confronted themselves. So um, if you're able to open yourself up to, to uh, allow that dialogue to take place, it can be very, very collaborative. Um, there are plenty of times where you don't need to be assertive and and it's, it's useful to to make a point um, in your mind about that because we most of us will strive to improve our assertive communication however if you're somebody who talks a lot and, and, and is assertive a lot of the time and, and I find myself in this position because of the role I have um, professionally that actually sometimes it's it's better to sit in a meeting and choose to be passive to to not have a strong opinion about something um to sometimes too many assertive people um having a conversation it, it, it doesn't always mean collaborative it depends on who the people are so i just want you to spend a minute thinking about um can you think about a time that you've been assertive this week and and when somebody has been assertive towards you you will know that you've been assertive and somebody's been assertive to you because you will feel respected and you will have been respectful and and that's one of the key differences in um because being clear and direct is part of being assertive but there are ways in which you do that that mean that somebody has experienced you as assertive as opposed to being aggressive.
So those are four key communicating styles. I have quite a lot that I wanted to introduce you to, so I'll, I'll move on, but it's still within this realm. If you want to boost your assertiveness, um, I do believe that for the next week, I would invite you to be reflective and think about the people in your lives and think about the communication that you have with different people in your family, in work and with your friends and just spend time noting when you've been those different things because uh, until you have a map of of what you use generally and that might not be that obvious um, at this stage it becomes difficult to know where where to pinpoint making those changes but let's focus on if you want to boost your assertive skills so what i want you to do is we're going to spend um maybe three to four minutes I want you to read these statements and um, score them. Can you have, so have a piece of paper, draw a line down it and write yellow on one side and green on the other side. That's important for what's gonna come next. And then I just want you to spend a minute reflecting on um, this. I do think that um, in, in longer training sessions, we would spend a lot more time having this dialogues around this, but this is a really good way to just get a quick audit of your assertiveness. So I'll read them out. And as I'm reading them out, just have a think about it and then mark yourself. So um, the first one, I am able to say no without feeling guilty or anxious. And then it's not at all, occasionally, sometimes, often, most all of the time. And then I feel capable of learning new things. Again, not at all, occasionally, sometimes, often, most all of the time. I am able to acknowledge and take responsibility for mistakes. That's such a tricky one. It's hard um, to learn to deal with mistakes in that way, but see where you get to on that one. I am able to express my honest opinion. And then I value my own experience and wisdom. If you could just add up your scores and next to the word yellow, put your score. And now you've got green, so I am comfortable meeting new people in social situations. I can express strong feelings without blaming others. I can easily request help and info from others. I tell others when their behaviour is unacceptable to me. And I am comfortable delegating tasks. And then once you've done that, if you top them up and put a score next to your green ones. Um, I mean, I, I hope that you feel able to be truthful with, with yourselves as you think about these things. It's not an easy thing, for example, to, to admit that we can be very blamey of other people. But I think sometimes it, it, it can depend on who it is. I, I know that, and this goes back to what I said at the beginning, the complexity of relationships. Maybe generally we don't, but with particular people, we do feel blamey towards them. Um, but remember what I said, this workshop is about being reflective and developing some insights about our own communication styles and then what we can do to boost those up.
Okay, so you will now have a green and a yellow score. And one of the things that you will remember from the beginning, but um, I've included it here, is that there are three dimensions, as I said, to your psychological well-being. And the yellow, so we talked about the red, which is um, the part of our psychological well-being which relies on the quality of the relationships in our lives and what we get essentially from other people and our environment. The yellow dimension is about our inner resources and linked to who we are and who we're becoming. And that, as you can see there, is self-esteem, confidence, optimism, reflective insight and emotional intelligence. Now, you might have scored higher in the yellow or you might have scored lower in the yellow. What's important is that you know that that's linked to a specific area of your psychological well-being, because next I'm going to give you some tips. And if you score lower in the yellow than the green, then you just might want to pay more attention to the tips about the yellow than the tips about the green. Then, as you can see with the green score, the green score is linked to the third dimension of our psychological well-being. And these are our resources for interacting with people and largely look, as you can see there, our ability to self-regulate, our empathy and social competence, our ability to resolve conflict, our problem-solving abilities and our consequential thinking. So those 10 resilience resources are important for our assertiveness and we will most often find ourselves it's unlikely that we'll say we're never assertive maybe at times in our life we feel that way but it moves up and down a continuum and so i was hoping that this might help give you some insight into understanding what area of your psychological well-being you might want to focus on to build up your assertiveness nope okay then um, just pull together some some tips because we need to, um, I suppose, understand that if you want to build or uh, put it there, or at least not break your relationships, there are a th few things that you can do, and one of those things might be to build up your assertiveness. Now, if you're going to build up your assertive skills, there are there are hundreds of tips that I could have included here. So I just selected the ones that I think would be, oh, yeah, I do do that sometimes moments that will be the most relevant. Um, welcome to con um, contact me if you want a list of more tips. Absolutely fine with your yellow tips. So if you scored lower, on the yellow questions, then this remember is linked to your uh, might be linked to your self esteem, your confidence, your um, your view of how other people might judge you, your optimism, so your belief that that you can um, that things will be okay afterwards, your reflectiveness, so your ability to to stop and think without ruminating, by the way, and, and develop some insight into what's happening um, and your emotional intelligence. So one of the, what, a couple of things that you can do there is reduce your disclaimers. So you will find that some people, and we all do this, by the way, but don't put disclaimers on the ends of your sentences. So an example would be um, if somebody says to you, oh, how did you find that? And you say, um, I was hoping to get a little bit more out of it, um, but I was, I didn't sleep last night, I was tired. So that bit in the end, that's a disclaimer. You're dismissing your opinion, you're softening what you want to say, and we all do it. We all do it if we think that somebody's going to be offended by what we say, we take responsibility, or we might say, well, this is what I think, but I'm no expert. That's a disclaimer you're dismissing or um, downplaying your view and your opinion. So if you can just think about reducing some of those disclaimers, you might you will boost your assertiveness. The next one is pay attention to the words that you use. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Have a think about that after the workshop, because um, a lot of times if you think of if you're in a passive aggressive state, you often will not say what you mean and um, you might not, uh, and if you're in an aggressive state, you might not mean what you say. Um, think about that in terms of your emotional um, literacy and I suppose noticing it would be the first step. 
The next bit would be to acknowledge a mistake and invest energy in learning from it. Name that you've made a mistake. So many people get devastated by making mistakes and find that really hard, particularly in a professional capacity. Um, I would often work with people who just can't, um, um, it, it just damages their whole sense of self and self-esteem. But actually, if we can name the mistake and invest energy in learning about it, I know that sounds obvious and, and cheesy, but it's a, it's a lot harder to do than, um, than what we think. So the reality is that we will either not acknowledge it or we'll blame it somebody else for it happening. Next, say no when you need to. So check in with yourself and know that it's a good idea, whether it's a good idea or not. But more importantly, I think sometimes we need to find a way to say no, and it can be helpful in those circumstances to have a um, a bunch of statements prepared that we use when we need to say no to people and, and often offering a compromise um, is helpful in those situations. Now, if you're a green tips, then this is linked to, um, as I said, the, the, the interactive part. So if you're, uh, you might feel very able to share your views, but I would encourage you and do this explicitly to ask others to share their views. Um, that is boosting a dialogue. If you're if you're finding yourself in a dialogue, you've most likely been assertive. Listen actively. A lot of us think we're listening. I can tell you now we're not listening. We are waiting for our opportunity to tell them that the same thing happened to us because we want them to feel OK. We want to rush in and help them uh, know that we understand how they're feeling. Um, and, and, and often there's a missed opportunity. Active listening means listening very carefully to what somebody's saying. It means don't interrupt. It means reflecting back what they said and being with what they said and sticking with their point of reference and not and resisting that urge that we all want to do sometimes and say, oh, that happened to me. Constructive feedback, um, a few tips around that. Sometimes we think we're given constructive feedback, but in fact, we're not. Um, constructive feedback is objective and measurable. So if you're having to particularly um, tell somebody that, 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 that maybe they haven't um, used, go back to my examples, not hitting the mark, then if you are able to stick with uh, factual information and be objective, that would come across as assertive communicating style. So, for example, if somebody sends me something and I might, I might actually think there's a load of rubbish, um, but I wouldn't want, I certainly wouldn't want to make somebody to, to feel that way. And I, I wouldn't want to say that. So instead, I would think about how I could be constructive about that. And I might say something like, um, I might ask them a question. How did, um, how happy are you with what you've done? Um, that will give me their reference point. Then I might say, um, I can see that you've worked hard. Um, the content that you've chosen to include in this, um, uh, I, again, going back to using I statements, I wasn't directly able to link that to me and I wondered um, is, is there something that you want to review in terms of the content so it's just being objective and um, measurable as opposed to saying um, I just didn't think that was very good or nope we're, we're going to go with something else. Then um, ask questions instead of rushing in to give statements, um, showing your curiosity and inviting people, people to speak is a very good way of achieving assertive communication that's collaborative and share observations. A lot of time we think we're being assertive by saying um, you're upset with me. Um, actually, um, for somebody who is, is feeling vulnerable at that time, um, you saying that might feel threatening, whereas um, you might share an observation is, oh, um, I noticed that you're shaking a bit. Are you OK? That's that's the difference. Sharing an observation. That's good. It's actually important there what you said about um, um, taking time out to think about it, because often we say something in our head and it comes out entirely different. And 
and and and so if we are able to ref be reflective and uh, and sometimes practice what we want to say anticipate what we want to say in different circumstances i'm going to say a bit more about this in a moment we can become we can be in more control of the communication that we have and therefore the impact on the relationships that we're trying to build okay i'll move on and take some more questions at the end and you can share some comments um, you might need to do this um, over maybe like a two or three week period. Um, I don't ever stop doing this because I find it useful. But if you could just take time to notice what communication styles are present in your current relationships. And in the first instance, think of three people in your life. Think what is the communication style that you use the most? And then what is the communication style that they use with you? Because what I want to highlight is we've been talking a lot about assertiveness, but actually what we're trying to achieve is collaboration. If we are working collaboratively in our personal relationships and our professional relationships, then it's likely that we are equal parties, equal participation and feeling equal, equally respectful of each other and respected. And you can easily have um, two people, one passive, one assertive, that becomes very, very collaborative. Um, it tends to be that sort of combination, whereas the aggressive styles of communication and the passive aggressive styles of communication tend to be uncollaborative. And so if you find yourself dealing with somebody who is aggressive or passive aggressive, uh, and, and they're unlikely, even if confronted, to switch to a more collaborative style of communicating. It's just good to notice that because you will all come across people, you might be experiencing it now, people in your lives that you continue ha continually have difficulty with. And I wish I could tell you how to sort that out and fix that, but the reality is it's incredibly complex. Uh, and that's because somebody would need to adjust their communicating style with you and you all you can do is create an opportunity for them to do that um, so if somebody is being um, aggressively communicating towards you or passive aggressive you might choose to test out different communication styles to see if it achieves some sort of collaboration however in reality, there will be a couple of people where they're stuck in aggressive communicating style and no matter what you do, that's what they're going to stick with. And, and those can be tricky. So I just wanted to highlight that reality. If we had more time, I would certainly want to be listening to each of your reflections on the people in your lives and how they're you're noticing their communication styles with you because this is just the tip of the iceberg when you start to unpack the reality that um, our communication styles we can create some space in our minds to choose them that's mind-blowing because it moves us into a position of being proactive instead of reactive so if nothing else today what i wanted to help you achieve is a space to stop and think so that you can uh, choose to move towards proactive communicating simply because you will use those four styles for the rest of your lives but are you choosing to because a lot of us are not choosing to use particular styles we are reacting to what's in our environment we are re reacting to people if you're finding that you're having particular difficulties or somebody is having an impact on you stop, reflect and think about what style of communicating and use those tips that you might want to test out so that you can move towards that. And if you're able to achieve that, life does change because you are in the driving seat as opposed to, as you can see there, pushing, um, pushing the car along. So thank you so much. There we go. Thank you for joining us for another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to like and follow the podcast series. And until the next time, folks, stay safe.